All right, we're rolling. Excellent. So, hello, my name is Kathy Taramina. I'm the academic dean here at the Seattle Institute of East Asian Medicine and the host of our podcast, Chi Time. Today, I'm talking with Josh Lerner, one of our core faculty here who leads classes in orthopedics, Twena, trauma medicine. And I'm really excited to talk today with Josh since one of my favorite things since starting to work here are the spontaneous chats that Josh and I can have on any given day, which is probably why one of our students found out, who found out today that I was recording us talking, and I told them it was going to be for about 10 minutes, laughed, and said that they expected to find us both still sitting here tomorrow morning with an empty <laughs> pot of coffee on the table, which might be true since I really enjoyed talking um, with you about the topics, about topics like this one and I, that I wanted to chat with you about today. Um, it's, it's something that many of us don't know very much about, yet find super interesting, and I'm hoping that you can tell us a little bit about Chinese cosmology, and as a clinician of our medicine, what interests you about it? Yeah, so I, I mean, as like most acupuncturists, you get introduced to a lot of these basic concepts when you're in acupuncture school, or maybe before you get into acupuncture school, you're interested in like martial arts, you're interested in Taoism, you're interested in mm -hmm. meditation. And so you get exposure to these basic ideas like yin and yang and the five elements. And say you're like a martial artist, and um, especially in traditional Chinese or Japanese martial arts, you, you practice forms. Like in Japanese, called kata, right? And so in Japanese, uh, in like certain types of Okinawan karate, right, there are these forms that you would learn that are named after like, one of them is called like the the red bird form, or like the white tiger form. And all of these are, of course, references to different aspects of Chinese cosmology that don't get talked about a lot, but they might be things you've been exposed to even before you get to acupuncture school. Mm -hmm. And then when you're in acupuncture school, you start learning about yin and yang and the five elements, and you start hearing like dribs and drabs of information about how a lot of acupuncture points are actually named after like particular constellations yeah. or planets in the sky or stars or they're celestial named things. celestial yeah, things yeah. or they're named after um, correspondences between the directions of the compass and certain types of animals or mm -hmm. colors and with the five elements and you get a kind of good introduction to it but there's a whole way of, of really getting deep into that that there are certain styles of acupuncture, ways of choosing acupuncture points that really get into these kind of cosmological ideas related to cycles of time, how these cycles of yin and yang, how they interplay with each other, are played out over the course of a day, over an hour, over a month, over a year. Um, the cycling of the five elements, or the five phases. And, and even like some of them are related to cycles of the moon. They're references mm -hmm. to our oldest texts about paying attention to the, the course of the planets and the moon and the stars. They don't give a whole lot of details about it. But so these ideas are there. And then when I was in acupuncture school, I had a teacher, actually a meditation teacher, who was deeply into Chinese cosmology, who really inspired me to do a lot more research about some of these methods that very explicitly delve into a lot of these cosmological ideas. Some of them are almost astronomical, borderline astrological. Some of them are kind of more almost numerological. But looking at the, the qualities of these cycles that repeat themselves, mm. cycles of numbers, cycles of yin and yang qualities, things like that. So I spent a long period of time before I really got into orthopedics. I almost was actually writing a book at one point trying to trace a lot of these ideas all the way back from their origins in 
um, how the Chinese were looking at the, the sky and the motions of all the, the stars and the planets in the sky and deriving ideas about yin and yang. And, uh, well, you're also able to read it in the source language, right? So that must, you know, yeah, I not having, probably read it. Yeah, like I mean, that's of one of the, the yeah. really nice things about going into acupuncture school mm -hmm. from basically a, being a professional student in graduate school and having studied Chinese and Japanese language is being able to do it in that way, or, or at least being able to read it in English and know oh, where, what this English translation actually is referring to and starting to see connections that aren't going to be as apparent if you haven't looked at things in Chinese before. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so then you did all this work as a student, and then, like, so what, what types of things like, kind of stand out for you and things that you learned about it? Uh, so the while I was still a student, I got obsessed with the uh, styles of acupuncture that really rely on looking at how the quality of qi in the acupuncture points changes, even from hour to hour mm -hmm. and from right. day to day. And so there are a few different, basically cycles of time um, that are used to <clears throat> used to count hours, days, months, and years. They're called the stems and branches in English. There's a cycle of 10, also a cycle of 12 that are kind of overlaid on each other. And because of how Chinese cosmology works, uh, something that is related to, say, like the, the wood element and the yin aspect of the wood element in the body is going to be related at some level to every other thing in the universe that is related somehow to the wood element. There's a sense of sympathetic resonance between things that are similar. And these things that can be similar also include different phases of time, a certain time of the day, a certain time of the year. Hmm. And so there are ways of choosing acupuncture points that look at the qualities of the acupuncture points and how they ebb and flow at different times of the day, different days of a, like a 10 or 12 day cycle. Um, and it can get really kind of arcane and complicated, which was totally my thing. <laughs> right up uh, your alley. Back at the, right up my alley. Um, now all of my arcane stuff has to do with kind of muscles and fascia and nerves and all this other <laughs> weird stuff. Um, but really for years I spent, and I still go back to this very often, um, not as much as I used to, but I, so I basically looked up as many resources as I could and created all of my own charts and really tried to figure out the mechanics of going all the way back to the Tang Dynasty and early to the Han Dynasty, how these different cycles of time were affecting how people were choosing acupuncture points. Mm. Um, and it was, it's really, really interesting. And it gives you, I guess clinically, the important thing for me wasn't so much that it doing this made my treatments so much like astronomically better than they were before. Yeah, that would be Which would be question. really cool. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, but the, the experience that I would have really repeatedly, if I would, like say a patient comes in, they've got a certain set of symptoms, and there's certain types of points you'd normally think about to use for that patient based on their presentation. And when you practice that way for any period of time, it's really easy to kind of get locked into your typical habitual ways of thinking. Someone comes in with stomach pain or diarrhea or something, you know, certain points are going to mm -hmm. pop up into your head, even if you don't always use them all the time. With these other ways of thinking about acupuncture points based more on time, often it gives you options that you won't think about. There's certain points that you don't habitually use in clinical practice, you may not use in the same way, but because if you're paying attention to the other cycles, these other choices come up. 
And I would find that when I would do these, oh, that's interesting. very often the patient would say, wow, that point felt like really appropriate. Like for whatever reason, that weird point you just did, that like felt like it was really kind of getting to it, right? So it, it changed the patient experience a lot. And it may be also partly because if it was a patient who'd had a lot of acupuncture before and had the same seven or eight points needled over and over again for months, and then this that can when you treat patients like that, the points kind of stop responding, right? Mm-hmm. You can over-treat certain points. And there are lots of other areas of the body as these cycles continue through time and shift that kind of open up and are available at certain periods of time and then they're, okay. they're less available. And so when you start to access some of these other ones, it it really gives the the patient, they can often feel it as like a very different kind of experience. And I think one of the reasons I ended up stopping relying on that as much as I got into more orthopedics was it was it was really cool experience. It didn't drastically change the outcome the outcomes, of the treatments. Yeah, right. Um, but it was it was a really interesting a really interesting way of being in the clinic, of engaging not just with the patient and their body in front of you and their energetic system, but with just the the cycles of change that are occurring hour to hour, day to day. But like everything else, I mean, you have done all this study, and so there's no way that it doesn't have on some certain level inform a little bit about how you think in clinic probably, that you have this knowledge, right, that you think you've, you've even practiced along these lines. Right, right. So we could never really unpack that, but I wonder how, I mean, it's interesting to me to think about how valuable it would be to have this content, I know you know you've taught this in my fundament- fundamentals class, mm-hmm. um, which I'd like you to do again. And I'm just wondering, like, I mean, I would love to learn more about it. Listening to you talk about it, like, you know, I feel, I feel like it's I don't yeah. know what you think about the, those kind of ideas. No, it. it you know it is really interesting, and especially being someone who, over the last twelve or thirteen years in particular, has really shifted my focus to muscles and bones mm-hmm. and joints and that kind of thing. Um, in a sense. I'm more interested in cosmology in terms of just living my life and experiencing mm-hmm. life from moment to moment. And the significance of that has really increased. While my time in the clinic, the, the specifics of how that play out, like on like the if you you know, the specifics of how that affects my point location choice. Right. That's really, it's hard to tease that out. We would never be able to, I think. But so in a sense, it's like the, on one end, there's a little bit of a, like a schizophrenia or like this real separation that the, often clinically, if you ask me my clinical reasoning for choosing a certain point or a certain Mm. technique, I'm going to give you a line of reasoning that has, well, there's this set of muscles that are really not functioning well and they're pulling on the joint this way and I want to, uh, innervate, the, you know, make sure that the, the nerve innervation coming out of the spine is freed up and that. But even at a level far below that unconsciously, the fundamental background of all of this is the cosmology. My way of being in the clinic room with the patient, the, the way that I talk with the patient, the way I carry myself, the way that I, I'm subjectively feeling like I'm relating to the space around me, whether it's in the morning or the afternoon, subtle shifts of energy, that whether in like an acupuncture point that I'm feeling on the patient or just in the, in the room itself or in my own body that I'm feeling that's affecting how I'm thinking about things. All of those, all of those cycles of, of change, of all the energy, that's kind of underlying all of it. But I've, 
and maybe it's just from doing it long enough you stop consciously really, thinking about it. Yes, you know? I bet, yeah. So yeah, but to me it's, it seems like the gap between those two, it's like they're definitely informing each other a lot, but it's getting harder and harder to like tease out mm -hmm. like the specific, mm -hmm. the specifics of how those are relating because it just right. becomes so unconscious. Yeah, right. So you should publish that book. <laughs> well, I mean, the really funny thing is... Is there a good book out about this? So that, that's the really funny thing, is that when I first was really getting into this and I realized there was not, there was not a really good, reliable, mm. accessible single source in English that was going over all of this, written for not just acupuncturists, but maybe like martial artists or yeah. massage therapists or, or anyone meditators. Anyone who's just interested. Anyone yeah, who's interested in right, because right? you said it informs how you... You know, in your personal life, I think yeah. is what I... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I started yeah. actually doing a lot more research, and, you know, because of how I do research, I had to go, you know, <laughs> yeah. primary text and all of, like, the... Really, a lot of the academic research in, the, in English from sinologists, you know, people who really deeply study Chinese history and language. And I have on my computer just folders full of dozens and dozens of PDF of, ac of academic articles about these obscure texts from the from the Song Dynasty that are talking about this one star imagery and how that can relate to <laughs> images of inside the mm -hmm. body. And so I was really collating a lot of this material. I was taking loads of notes and I had this great idea in my head. And while I was working on this, I think this was probably about, this is when I was still working at Yong Kong with Michael Max, I think. Um, while I was in the middle of this and really gaining some steam, someone published a book on the stems and branches, one of the primary, these couple of these cycles that are really important for talking about cosmology. And the book was published, and it was kind of like a big chunk of what I wanted to say, uh -huh. but it, it wasn't really accessible. It was an expensive book, and I'm like, oh man, someone wrote the book. That's not how I would have written it, but the information is out there now in kind of a slightly more accessible form. So, so I kind of put it on hold, and then yeah. I started getting more into orthopedic stuff. And I, yeah. But I still keep going back to this idea that, you know, I should really... I will help you. I maybe I maybe you write should. it, because it would be a lot of fun. Well, you're writing, you're writing you know, basically, a, um, you know, several books at the moment, as far as I'm concerned, with all the ideas we have about yeah. <laughs> creating all these kind of materials for people to learn from. Yeah, um, but to get anything done, I need to, like, take on sabbatical for, like, two years to actually get work done, <laughs> because it's... Life. No, but yeah, it's, it's it would be a really fun project, and um, in particular, I feel like I could write it in a way that was accessible both to the general public who are interested in it and useful That's for what acupuncturists. I'm thinking, right, not just for acupuncturists, yeah. because I, you know, if we had more time, I'd ask you to maybe talk a little bit about like how this stuff has impacted your, you know, you personally, and like maybe in how you, you know, you know, some life choices you've made about your lifestyle and all that kind of stuff, but. Um, you know, I think that, that this stuff is interesting to clinicians and non-clinicians alike. Yeah. You know, so it, you're, I think it's pretty wide audience, potentially. All right, so that I'll yeah. have to move that off the priority <laughs> list among my dozens of projects. Yeah, there's not a lot of us, do, but right? there's certainly, you know. <laughs> well, Josh, this has been great. I don't know if there's anything else you want to add before we end. Um, yeah, just uh, anyone listening, just uh, <laughs> keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. As Casey Kasem used to say. Oh, my God. And to the students of SEAM, we are 15 minutes and signing off. <laughs> cool. Thanks, Kathy. Thank you.